Welcome to the Healthy Family Project by Produce for Kids, covering the hot topics in the world of health, food, and family with a dose of fun. We've been talking a lot about packing lunches during this back-to-school season, but I do realize that not all of our kids take their lunches to school. In fact, in the U.S., hundreds of thousands of kids buy lunch every day. So it's really important that we help these kids to make good choices in the lunch line and also be involved in our schools to make sure they're being provided with the most nutritious options in the lunchroom. So I wanted to take some time today to talk to an expert who has lived her life in the food school system and get a few tips for those of us that are buying lunch. Today we're talking to Emily Burson, a registered dietitian and founder and CEO of School Nutrition Plus. School Nutrition Plus is a full-service caterer that specializes in the unique needs of charter schools. Their chefs prepare nutritious and appetizing meals all from scratch that get kids to not only eat their veggies, but love them. Emily oversees the overall direction at School Nutrition Plus, utilizing her broad knowledge of nutrition and experience in the food service industry. Before founding the company, she served as a food service consultant for Consulting Nutritional Services, taught nutrition and food service at Pepperdine University, and managed charter school accounts in Southern California for Sodexo School Services. Emily is also the author of A Chef Walks Into a Cafeteria Cookbook, which honors the flavor values of scratch cooking and will inspire families to cook together with recipes actually served in the school cafeteria. Really cool bringing that all full circle. So like I said, we have been talking a lot about how to pack a healthy lunchbox. Now we're going to flip the script a little bit and talk about um, the lunches that our kids are buying at school. I'm excited about this conversation today, so let's get started with Emily. Welcome, Emily. We're so excited to chat with you today on the Healthy Family Project. It's back to school time. Yay. Um, so it's definitely back to school time. And we know you spend your time in schools making sure students have nutritious meals to keep them powered through the day. Some of our listeners might know you from past Instagram takeovers. But can you tell us a little about you and your company, School Nutrition Plus? Sure. Thanks for having me back. Today is one of our busiest days as well. It's one of our, I would say, 15 first days of school. Wow. I work with about 50 schools, and they all obviously don't start on the same day, thank God. But <laughs> it's still a lot of first days for us. Uh, we're in our 11th year with School Nutrition Plus, and my background is as a registered dietitian. When I got out of school, I knew that I wanted to work in food service management. I love working with food, and I love um, managing teams and working towards a common goal associated with health. So school food service is really the perfect fit for me. I started out by working for Sodexo, which is a large food service management company. And it was a great training ground for me for four years working in in large K through 12 districts. And this was about the time when charter schools came on the scene. And uh, 11 to 15 years ago, when the first charter school started up in California, and we saw an opportunity there. And I'd say we, my business partner, Brandon, is a chef. He and mm-hmm. I both work for Sodexo. So we started School Nutrition Plus to serve this underserved community. Our former employer didn't really have a boutique approach to school food service management. And we at SNP do because our clients, while a charter school is considered its own school district, mm-hmm. 
they are a lot smaller than K through 12 schools and they all need an individualized, customized approach to their menu and their program. And we started out by cooking in schools' kitchens. The first charter schools were founded on school campuses and they had access to the cafeteria, the school's cafeterias, you could cook in the kitchen. But as the charter schools increased in number, there aren't enough sites. So these days they're in office buildings, trailers, they co-locate with school districts, meaning they share a site with the school district and sometimes don't have access to the kitchen. So now we're serving meals um, on in the hallways, in janitor's closets, uh, out in the open, really anywhere where there's room to serve the kids. We have uh, 100 employees and we serve meals throughout Los Angeles in Orange County. And our signature service is scratch cook meals. Most of our schools are low in income. Students are on the free and reduced lunch program. So we try to bring them the healthiest food possible. And to us, that means cooking from raw ingredients and presenting a meal that looks like food versus something that's in a package. And I use the example of you ask a student what what uh, their favorite chicken dish is. Mm-hmm. And the young ones will say, well, chicken nuggets, chicken tenders. <laughs> said, but no, what part of a chicken, what cut of chicken is your favorite? And they just look at me with a blank stare. So we are the ones that are introducing chicken legs to them, chicken drumsticks, mm-hmm sort of thing real what real food is and that really drives me to keep putting this food in front of students so they grow up with healthy habits well that's wonderful we certainly here at produce for kids admire everything that you do and your organization does and we applaud your passion and and your impact the impact you're really making and you know the creating a healthier generation, which is was what we're all about and what we know you're all about too. So awesome stuff there. So we know a lot of kids eat school lunch. So while we're talking a lot about lunch boxes, we definitely want to address, you know, the large part of our population that does eat lunch at school. What are some ways parents can help encourage their kids to make healthier cho- choices in the lunch line when the parents aren't there kind of overseeing what they're putting on their plate? Having some sort of routine at home that involves eating a fruit or vegetable with every meal and snack makes it easier for these habits to translate to school. Obviously, when kids get to school, they're going to be influenced by their friends and will probably not eat as healthy as at home. But establishing this mentality and a meal pattern, especially when students are young and kids are young, most kids' eating habits and palates are established before the age of five. So if a food isn't introduced to a child before the age of five, it's not likely they're going to want to try it until they're in their 20s. So introducing kids to as many foods as possible is one tip. And also just drilling in with every meal or snack, have a fruit or vegetable, um, variety it doesn't matter what it is it's about that pattern and rather than try to teach about calories or portion sizes that's too big of a concept for right. young kids to get at this point it's just simply pick a fruit or vegetable yeah i like that and i've been doing that with my younger daughter you know we'll get to a point in the day and both my girls now like they're not with me all the time so even if it's not a school day they might be you know on a play date or my older daughter is at a friend's house doing whatever and so 
I'll say whenever they say, oh, mom, can I have some ice cream or can I have whatever it might be? I say, how many fruits and vegetables have you had so far today? And it just causes them to like stop and think for a second like, oh, wow, I didn't. And my younger one will say, all right, can I have some carrots and then have the ice cream? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, but I just like that you stopped and thought about it. So so that's that's really good advice of making sure that and and I like like kind of simplifying it and just saying what was the fruit or vegetable you added instead of how much or the portion or the calories or things like that. Good tips. Um, so I had a chance to look at the list of schools your company serves, um, So, which is awesome. But what if you have a child a- attending a school where the lunches provided aren't the healthiest? How do you recommend parents go about raising the issue with their school? I know you work with charter schools. Public schools could be a little different. There's so many different types of schools out there. But I'm just wondering if you had some tips kind of on a first step for advocating change within a school. Sure. I personally have worked with K through 12 districts, charter schools. We have a a private school account in Taiwan that's interesting. Um, I'll address K through 12 and charters first with the public school sector. Mm -hmm. All schools are required to have school wellness committees. These committees are made up of parents, students, nurses, teachers, food service director, administrators, and anybody else in the school community interested in food. It's mandatory. So I would say, first of all, find out about the wellness committee and how to get on it. And the PTA is also a good organization. And at some point, the PTA is gonna be interested in school food. I was working at a K through 12 district in LA 15 years ago with Sodexo. And out of the blue, we were presented with a five inch binder that the PTA had put together with suggested changes for the lunch program without our knowledge. And parents are just as much stakeholders in the lunch program as students are. And as a food service director, I had to pay attention. So that's that's one tip is get in front of the food service director and they'll listen to you. And, you know, it's part of their job to weigh parent input in planning menus. With private schools, there's a little bit more flexibility in the meal program because you're not following federal guidelines. Right. And there's usually a little bit more of a budget for the food service department. So it's easier to make changes with private schools. But it, like I said, PTA, these mandatory wellness committees are the way to get in and get your voice heard in the schools. Okay. Those are great ideas. I wasn't aware that every school would, you know, was required to have that school wellness committee so I think that that's really interesting information because I know I hear all the time we hear from people well I just don't know where to start you know like I know that I have I I, there are changes to be made but I don't know where to start so I think those are that's good information on on getting people headed in the right direction so my daughter's school account so as I mentioned that my kids pack lunches but on uh, my older daughter she'll buy lunch on Fridays because they have pizza and that's something I did growing up so we kind of did the same thing with her plus it gives us a break we don't have to pack lunches on Fridays so so that's always a plus um but you know looking at her account it shows me everything she buys on there and I've seen 
here and there, you know, a brownie or things, you know, kind of those things that she has her own lunch or she's adding on or she says, oh, well, I bought so-and-so something. Um, you know, I just keep that account full. So just even in case if she forgets her lunch, she can go in and buy something. Um, so how can parents tackle the difficult conversation if they're seeing kids purchasing unhealthy foods, you know, to encourage them to make healthier choices without causing shame or guilt? I think that teaching kids about nutrition and making healthy choices should be prioritized as high as other skills that are taught and developed at home, like tying one's shoes, for example, learning how to take a shower, how to get dressed, even to how to get along with your sibling or how to deal with difficult people at school. It's a life skill and it's not treated as such. It's not treated as such at home or in schools right now. So it's really, uh, a place where there's room for improvement. I mean, think about how important food and diet is in a person's health, especially as they get older. So my number one, number one advice is to start educating children about physical activity and eating healthy at home every day and treat it just like you would um, teaching them how to be an adult. I mean, Really, when you think about it, it's incredibly important and will shape the rest of their life, their health. And I just, I, I understand that there are challenges when it comes to affording healthy food sometimes, but even if it's just as a family deciding you're gonna go on a hike once a week, right? Then you're teaching your child, well, you know, you need to work exercise or fitness or movement into your routine. So it's a, a responsibility that parents have. And I think it's a responsibility that schools have also right now. Nutrition isn't taught as much as it should in schools. The kids get a little bit in elementary school and then in some high school science, but it really needs to be prioritized higher. I agree with that. I, you know, I guess we talk so much on this podcast about how to be healthy and, and I feel like the schools, you know, that is something definitely that's missing. That could be, you know, I think I have lots of, I feel like, life skills that might be missing <laughs> from, from the school system that aren't being taught. Um, but but nutrition, I think, yeah, definitely something that, that we should be incorporating with kids. Um, right. right. And you know, as, as an employer with 100 employees, I have employees who are, you know, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, down to 20s. And when some of my employees start getting, getting to their 40s, I see them getting health problems and it affects their work and how much they're able to come to work and how much they call out. And it's because they're not leading a healthy lifestyle. So it affects adult productivity, society's productivity so much as people get older. And um, if we can appreciate that, then hopefully we can, like I said, prioritize health younger and instilling these habits in people. Agree, agree, for sure. Um, so we're always so jealous seeing what you're cooking up in schools. Everything looks so delicious. So where do you find the inspiration for the recipes you create in schools? And do you have any advice for parents who want to replicate some of those at home? Our recipes are partially driven by inspiration, partially by necessity. And I'll give you an example of both. First is necessity. Lunchtime is so short these days. The kids have a half an hour to stand in line and eat their lunch. 
And at lower income schools, you have up to 99% of the students eating. So you need to move through the line fast. And we're talking 500 to 1,000 kids trying to get through a wow. lunch period. So what we're doing is we daily now are menuing grab-and-go salads, sandwiches, and wraps. Mm -hmm. And they're healthy choices, but they're quick. So they get the line moving faster. And we've been working on some new recipes to develop that. We used to just do that twice a week. Now we're doing it every day. And we're also driven by needing to have more plant-based choices on the menu. And we do not have the budget for the fake meats, the processed meats, beyond meat, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But we also don't believe that that is the solution or necessarily healthy just because of the amount of processing that goes into those, um, the, I'll just call them fake meats. Right. Uh, you know, they, they contain coconut oil and other ingredients. And uh, we would rather menu beans instead or tofu. Mm -hmm. So that's what we do. We're working on some vegetarian items. As far as inspiration goes, this year we've been working with the North Harvest Bean Growers Association. And we've been given the opportunity to take their inventory of beans, which is 10 types of beans, and create some recipes from them. Fun. And that's really fun mm -hmm. because they have some alternative beans that you don't normally see in a school menu, like navy beans or white kidney beans. Right. Created a, a sweet potato kidney bean chili, a chicken chili verde with white beans, and a black bean hummus. And we're rotating those throughout our menu. And they're really well received and great flavor profiles. And it's nice to switch up the protein, the vegetarian protein. In the past, it's cheese a lot of the time because that's what the government provides schools for free. And like I said before, we prefer to use the truly plant-based proteins in vegetarian meals. One instance of, I guess, necessity is when we were working with the school in Taiwan, we had to get creative. We put a pesto on their menu and they had asked us to do some training with their chefs on Western items. So we thought, well, we'll replicate the pesto pasta recipe in our cookbook but they don't have access to pine nuts over there, nor do they have access to traditional basil. So we ended up using a, a Chinese spinach mm -hmm. and sunflower seeds. Yeah. Sunflower seeds are abundant over there. Who knew? It tasted amazing, and it was a really fun challenge for us. So yeah. as, far as, as far as advice for parents at home, there's a lot more scratch cooking happening in schools these days. And, but like I said before, when I touched on the chicken nuggets, if students aren't exposed to what real food looks like, they're gonna be afraid of it or less likely to try it at school. We wrote a cookbook called The Chef Walks Into a Cafeteria, and it's our scratch cook recipes scaled down for home use. Hmm. And the purpose is to expose kids and families to ingredients in their raw state and whole recipes, whole foods, so that when students come to school, see it in the lunch line, they're more likely to try it or at least recognize what it is. So I would say number one uh, is involve your kids in cooking because it's likely that they're going to want to taste it if they try it or hand in hand in making it. Also include them in grocery shopping. That's fun. Um, take them to the grocery store. Let's pick a fruit or vegetable and then build a recipe around it. Google a recipe. So really involve them and then they become 
invested in the final product and like i said are more likely to try it the more attention you pay to kids and students the more likely they are to try foods and we like i said work with schools that serve a lot of students at one time and there isn't a lot of supervision or people around but when we and school staff have the time to sit down and eat with the kids or even just ask them did you try this do you like this they're more likely to try it right and i I always say my younger daughter she's She's my selective eater. She's not picky. She's selective. But she um, she can call out any fruit or vegetable. We go through the produce depart- department, and she can name it all. She won't eat it all, but I have hope that because, I, you know, I'm trying to cut myself a little slack, and, you know, she eats a lot of this stuff, but I have hope that because she can identify it and because she's in the kitchen with me um, using it, that eventually she will be consuming more of these things that's that's my plan but (laughs) (laughs) hopefully yeah it takes it takes a few times when we menu a new item and a school calls us and says oh our kids didn't like it we say just give it two more times just keep it on the menu two more times if they still don't like it then we'll take it off and we insist upon that because it takes repetition and more exposure for the students to try something usually Right. Well, that's what you always hear. It takes five, you know, trying something five times before you really know. Although my daughter is like, ah, why do I have to eat this five times? I am quite sure after time one, I I do not like this. But Mm -hmm. I do think that it it does take a number of times. And, you know, right now is is kind of an interesting time in in our world um, for food because I have found my older daughter, whereas I think in the past, if you had, you know, like the beet hummus or something kind of like weird that you might catch some flack from other, other, you know, students, what is that? Ooh, gross. But now I think, you know, with the rise of, you know, top chef kids or, you know, the kind of the more exposure of being in the kitchen and these cool chefs out there and things like that. And these, you know, even the foods, those food shows like, you know, would you try this or whatever, you know, kind of things out of the ordinary. I think we're in a in a unique time where we can explore some of those different types of foods and kids are up for trying it because they're, you know, they're exposed to that kind of stuff. So I feel like that's kind of cool. Are you seeing some of that too, where you're able to to put some new things out there? Yeah, we are. We, we put out a black bean hummus and in five years ago, I, I think it would have just been tossed in the trash. Right. But while some kids still hadn't heard the word hummus in our populations, more of them had than in previous years. They were familiar with the term hummus, and then we went on to explain what was in it, and they were more likely to try it. So, yeah, the, the more that these words are out there and these in, in the um, whole food movement is out there, we see that reflected in the kids' familiarity with some of these I guess, foreign things that would have been foreign to them. Right. Cause I can't imagine like myself, I grew up in Southwestern Pennsylvania, a very small town. I can tell you there was no hummus on our school menu. Right. <laughs> I probably would have tried it cause I was an adventurous eater, but I can tell you it was turkey surprise <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> we had the standard. It was the same thing on Monday, every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, it was guaranteed was the same, you know, come into your, your plate and, and it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. So I do have hope that our, you know, we're moving in that direction with kids. 
Yeah, it's funny. There's a funny story. At one of our schools, we put ravioli on the menu. And a lot of the students had never seen ravioli before. So in order for them to try it, we had to tell them it was inside out pizza. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, I get it. I get it. And and they tried it and loved it. Of course. I love that. That's a really, that's a really creative idea to kind of put that spin on it, relate it to something they're familiar with. And um, that's cool. That's a great idea. Well, so I have been asking all of my guests um, who have come on to the show, I decided I was going to ask the same question of everyone. And there's no right or wrong answer, but just kind of I love hearing different people's perspective on this question. So for you, what do you think a healthy family looks like? I think it's about parents and caregivers modeling healthy behaviors. And whether that's exercise, eating right, you know, drinking, smoking, not smoking, that sort of thing. It Parents influence their kids are the number one influencers. And being a parent or caregiver is one of the most important jobs in life. And it's easy to reach for your, you know, open the fridge and reach for a Diet Coke. But your child's going to see you drinking that Diet Coke. So, you know, modeling whatever you can, you know, drink water instead. Um, it, it doesn't have an influence on kids. You know, I um, was co-parenting for a long time and I came into a family where my stepchildren were already used to eating at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were living in the Midwest. And so we would go to McDonald's and every time we went to McDonald's, I would order a Caesar salad. And I would just eat that Caesar salad every time. And I wore those kids down. And <laughs> we went there and my stepson on his own volition ordered a Caesar salad. And that was a victory. And it's one of his favorite foods to this day. And that's one of those moments because just that kind of gave me the chills a little bit just now. But I know it seems like simple, but that's one of those moments where you feel like the like the um, Golden Globe Awards song starts playing and someone's going to come. (laughs) I still have a picture on my phone of that day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like someone's going to walk out with like this grandiose trophy and hand it to you because that's how you feel. I'm telling you, I know you're passionate about this stuff and so am I. And whenever something like that happens after you're just doing it and doing it over and over, it's like, oh, yes. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's a victory. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. Lots of great tips. And I know you're busy and you need to get back out there and do your thing in these schools for back to school. And before we jump off, can you tell listeners where they can connect and direct with you and follow along with what you're doing? Sure. I'm on Instagram at Emily Burson RD. And our company is School Nutrition Plus. We're on Facebook and Instagram. And I can be reached via email with any questions at emily at schoolnutritionplus.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Really great conversation with Emily today. We'll continue to keep this conversation going over in the Healthy Family Project Facebook group. It's a private group, so you'll just need to send a request and I can approve you to join. There's just a few simple rules and guidelines that we need to follow as members of the group, and you'll see those once you make the request. Basically, 
just be kind. We don't shame anyone, and it's a judgment-free zone, so pretty easy to follow. Um, I love having listeners in the group so we can keep chatting. It also gives me ideas for future episodes, so feel free to drop your ideas over there. We have new recipes going up weekly on ProduceForKids.com. We have seasonal ideas, too, as we move into the holiday season. Um, And also be sure to check out FoodRx, our new monthly Instagram video series covering foods that prevent disease. If you miss it on Instagram, it's the first Sunday of every month at noon Eastern time. You can always go over to ProduceForKids.com, FoodRx, backslash FoodRx, sorry, to catch up. Um, And all of these links will be available in the show notes, so... You don't have to take notes here. Go over there and you can click straight through to find the group and check out FoodRx. And I'll also post some of our new recipe links there too. If you like the Healthy Family Project, tell a friend and leave us a rating. It will only help our visibility so we can continue to create a healthier generation. If you want to tweet direct with me, I'm at Amanda M. Kiefer on Twitter and Instagram. And you can always find Produce for Kids on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe. Talk soon.